What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. This podcast brought to you by Zen. <laughs> Peppermint. Is it Peppermint or the citrus? Double six in it. Assorted flavors. Where are How's are everybody here? Good. Oh, this thing is gonna be great. You're gonna be great. Deadly. I'd like you to know that you're deadly. So, Mike. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Good, buddy. You're so quiet. I'm trying to, I can't even find the 75 elk and I know where they are and the mule deer are hiding. <laughs> Nothing today, huh? <clears throat> Long hot days in the desert. It's been a little quiet today. What have we seen? We saw two deer, two bucks this morning. And then another, the other group. <coughs> a blown stock on a cow elk from a couple of... Archery hunters. Archery hunters. It was funny to see that guy up there in the red shirt and khaki pants. <laughs> he had his target uniform on from uh, yesterday's shift. <laughs> Ready to go. So, Mike, where are you from, man? Central California. Kingsburg, currently, right in the middle. Did you grow up out there? Yeah, not far from Kingsburg, about 20 minutes in a smaller town out there. My family farms out that way, so just grew up out in the country out there. So you guys are a farming family? Yeah, most of my family farms. So did you grow up, like, what kind of farming were you guys doing? Uh, turkeys and citrus. How so. many turkeys necessitates turkey farming? Uh, that's a fair question. Um, they had quite a few turkeys. Like thousands and thousands. <laughs> so I think that, that would probably get you there in the qualifications. And now were these like the butterball white turkeys? Or were these actual yeah, so the, dark feathered birds? They have both, right? So they uh, they were actually a uh, a breeding farm. So they would sell fertilized eggs to customers, mm -hmm. ship them all over the place, and then obviously once the d turkeys were done laying eggs for them, then they would find their way to the grocery store. So, what's the difference between a white turkey and a, I guess, what would look like a wild bird? Yeah, um, I think like anything, I think they, um, uh, they bred, you know, part of their program was this breeding program over decades, and so they would get different, they had different varieties and certain customers and certain people want certain things, and so actually when they sold the genetics it was actually the bronze turkeys that they seem to be utilizing more but the um the white i mean like the whole purpose of the breeding program i think was to um and they, they ended up with like i saw like a 94 pound tom walking around <laughs> are yeah. you serious yeah almost 95 pounds like just through decades of breeding and and the you know feed mixtures and things like my 
I mean, that's like my, almost the size of a blacktail. It was a it was a good looking bird. My um, my grandpa and my aunt and uncle they just what they did was all that stuff. We just I I just got to shovel poop and stuff like that. I didn't do any I didn't do anything special. So now growing up in a farming community in California, were you also a super outdoor family? Were you guys hunting and fishing and camping? We grew up yeah, we grew up hunting there in the foothills. We were fortunate. Uh, my uh, grandpa and aunt and uncle has some hill property there um, in the foothills. So we grew up out there hunting birds and deer. And eventually wild pigs showed up. It took them a while to get there. But I remember when they like first showed up, it was like, this new species all of a sudden showed up. Now they're everywhere, so. The impenetrable species. Right. Such disasters. Do they cause problems on your citrus farms, or? They'll eat, yeah, they'll eat the oranges. Um, at times, they'll come in pretty thick. Like, I think they've seen groups of 40 or 50 coming into an orchard before. Really? Yeah. Just tear it to pieces. They'll they'll eat the fruit. Yeah, they'll really? yeah they'll they can root up in the rows and stuff, but they'll they'll eat the fruit too. So really? not good. Yeah, they'll they'll like bore like they don't eat the peel. They'll eat all the good stuff from the inside and then just leave this hollowed out orange. Really? Yeah. So. That had to be a pain in the ass when that started happening. Yeah. You can get depredation permits and things like that for that if you have to. So what kind of camping would you guys do? Um, we weren't, I wouldn't say with like my folks we were being camping. I think we more like... Hung out at the ranch? Yeah, we'd hang out there a lot. Yeah. We'd sleep out up there sometimes, you know, but nothing too, nothing too hardcore up there. Just throw out a sleeping bag in the back of a truck type of deal. So for you, then, where did it become apparent that hunting kind of was something that you wanted to pursue and, you know, you really turned it into a passion for yourself outside of work and outside of life, sort of as a decompression? Oh, man. I mean, I, we just grew up doing it and loved it. Like, my dad was more of a... Um, my dad hunted some, um, but he wasn't, like, big into hunting. He was more... Uh, he was more into, like, guns and shooting type of stuff like he loved to do that stuff and he'd do a little bit of hunting um but we would go like probably a lot of our deer hunting stuff was was like my brother and I and my cousins going with my uncle a lot up you know up in the hills and drawing out a game plan in the dirt and then going and see trying to figure it out you know <laughs> like you go over here you go over here try and find deer and started with that and then just I don't know as the years went on I just started to enjoy it more and more mostly locally f first I was kind of like tied up in school until I didn't do my first out-of-state hunt until gosh I was 25 what was your first out-of-state hunt for antelope in Wyoming really we went, yeah I did two the two hunts that year I did um antelope in Wyoming and uh, deer in Montana. Were you successful in punching your tag? Yeah. Yeah, there are quite a few antelope out there. So we had a good time. We grew up hunting in, you know, you'd, you'd go days without seeing a deer sometimes where we grew up, right? And you go out there and it's like... California hunting. They're, they're stinking everywhere. So you're just trying to figure out like how to determine what a good antelope is because they're scattered everywhere i always find it amazing as a californian going into another state where wildlife is so plentiful right and you're glassing up you know antelope and elk and deer and all these different species all in the same spot you know all in the same day you know and back home it's like you'll hike 30 miles and put in 10 days and you'll never see an animal i've done it it's terrifying bunch of hikers you run into <laughs> so have you always been a rifle hunter or are you an archery hunter too or um i started 
I do do I do some archery. Yeah, I started with rifle for sure. Um, no one really growing up around us was was archery hunting, so we all just started with rifles. And then uh, my cousins got a wild hair. I don't know why, but uh, what what led them to it? But they started archery hunting, and they were hunting deer like a month before me. I was like, wait a minute, I need to do this. Um, so then I just went down to the bow shop and loaded up a bow and started doing some of that too so that's been a lot of fun did you find it did you find it more beneficial for you going to a bow shop instead of going to like a big box store like a bass pro or something like that um i've never done yeah i've never gone to one of those places to try and (laughs) get uh get any assistance regarding like specific equipment questions I suppose but yeah like the bow shop that I'm going to currently like I think they do a great job of getting you sorted out and on the right track with your gear they're pretty serious hunters too so like they they understand it's kind of handy what you're after you know yeah the first place I went though I, I will say like they were more like target guys and so they didn't really set me off on the best path to start with but I landed there eventually yeah for sure so. Mark, what about for you, man? You're going to have to come back to me in the <laughs> middle of something over here. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Jimmy, how about for yourself, man? Uh, from where I, when I started hunting? Well, just in, in general with archery, have you found it way more beneficial going to an actual specific pro shop that's tailored to hunters or... Well, this is actually going to be my first year I actually get to archery hunt. Really? Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm super excited. Are you? Yeah, after years of being around some really good hunters. Listen to Mike. Mike might have a rock, though. I'm good at finding deer-looking rocks. (laughs) What are you going to hunt this year with your bow? Uh, Antelope and elk. Really? And then where are you? Uh... Whitetail in Wisconsin. We'll just wait. Let me just watch this rock for a minute <laughs> and make sure that it's not a rock. Should we start a $5 rock jar? If the rock moves, then we'll get serious. Every time it's a false rock, it's a $5 oh. bill. So, so what was the question, Andy? Something about going into pro shops? Yeah, going into going to archery pro shops instead of going into big box stores. Man, well, I guess like where we are, you know, in Montana, we really only have, like, the pro shops. Yeah. You know, we've got, you can go into, like, a sportsman's warehouse or maybe even a Bob Ward's, and there's a, a bow tech working there. And, and usually it doesn't matter what, if it's, you know, a, a pro shop or a Bob Ward's or whatever. The person there is, knows what they're doing Yeah. where we live, you know. so Yeah, where we I live, think, it's not the case. I think there's a lot of that that, you know, goes into play. But then eventually, you know, I've had some friends who have, like, made these sweet bow shops at home, and, you know, you end up with the press, and you do a lot of that work on your own, and you can, you learn a lot more. Yeah. Although I still, you know, ran into the pro shop and double-checked that I was shooting bullet holes, you know, but... Kind of an important thing for this hunt, huh? Kind of important, you know, to be able to shoot straight. (laughs) No, we're having a good time. We're here in Nevada. We got a good crew with us, Andy, Mike, and Jim. And how do we all meet, Mike? Let's talk about some good luck and some good fortune here. <laughs> Drew a California desert sheep tag last year. How many points did you have? Well, it's I don't remember exactly, but like three. <laughs> no, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, very fortunate. I was in a, quite a lot of shock when I pulled open the old results page there. Had to have my wife verify what I was actually seeing. And, uh, yeah. Things, was it like winning the lottery? Man, it was like, I hope everyone can, like, have a moment like that when you get a tag that, like, you just have no business getting. Like maybe in your lifetime right so yeah it was it was pretty 
pretty wild just a flurry of phone calls and messages afterwards and then just like the reality of like we're gonna go hunt sheep like that was that was way cool and you had a pretty bomber crew of great friends that all showed up on that hunt so yeah for you guys what was the build-up getting into that hunt you know like when you first figured it out and you know leading up into planning scouting trips and getting out into the field it was yeah it was great and i knew right away like i remember i remember i told jake uh like hey i'm gonna have a few buddies and he's like well a lot of times guys say like they'll come but then you know like they don't necessarily show up you know when it gets there and everybody everybody told me they were coming showed up and we had yeah it was it was they were jacked up and i think it was for me like it's such a special tag like it's got to be shared right like the you know to have the opportunity i had to go hunt that animal like it wouldn't have been near as special or fun not to have the crew we had with us to do it you know uh-huh so um yeah it was it was really cool we had a couple couple scouting trips down there um billy and i went down and just to like lay eyes on the unit because we'd really never been in it. Um, it's not, a, you know, it's not an area we've hunted for anything else, right? It's way down in Southern California. So, um, so that was, you know, just fun just to see the mountains and like motivating because they're big mountains <laughs> to, to like get in shape and get get kind ready. Kind of intimidating, huh? Oh man, it's super super harsh country, but it's And you guys did a scouting too. trip like and actually put in some boot miles and stuff like that. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, so like a few months after that, then uh, my brother and I, yeah, we we got in there pretty good and um uh, had a good time of it and uh we weren't uh super productive in finding rams but we had a good time uh checking out the country and and uh just all part of the experience for me like i didn't i didn't want to just roll down there like two days before the hunt i wanted to like get as much of the experience as i could like in that country and and uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun in preparation for it and then so just yeah working to get in shape um I didn't have a lot, ton of gear stuff I had to do, but um, had to do my copper reloads because I, <laughs> for my uh, for my gun, I had like a, a sweet lead load that's great for out of California, but not quite the way to go when you're in California, given the laws. So that was probably my biggest headache was rebuilding your load, getting uh, getting some copper loads worked up for my gun, but. Uh, and you ended up going with an outfitter for the trip. So how did you kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, you kind of felt enough pressure that maybe you needed to get an outfitter to alleviate some of that? Uh, it was pretty quick, actually, that I came to that decision. I, I, the next morning after I had drawn it, I thought, you know, I need to start getting some information, you know, like lined out here. So I called... Um, I called Epic Outdoors, and um, I talked to Adam, and had a good conversation with him, you know, uh, he was congratulating me on the tag and all that, and then just kind of asking my thoughts, you know, whether I was going to go try and do guided or unguided, and, and I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what he told me, but I know I came away from the conversation with the impression that he thought, like, I should probably at least strongly consider getting a guide, you know, having not hunted sheep or been around a sheep hunt before and you know it's just a once in a lifetime opportunity and um and so he gave me uh, jake's jake franklin's number and said give this guy a call just get some information and uh it was pretty quick once i talked to jake just like how his knowledge and just like how jacked up he is about sheep hunting so mm -hmm. it's like this guy knows this guy knows the th you know the things that i need someone to know to make this you know make this thing happen how how i'd like it to and so i talked to him for a good while and i had to run it by the wife uh, to make sure she was cool with my plan but uh i pretty well knew then i i need to hire jake and uh 
So that's what we did. We lined it out like I think it was in two days of two three days of having the te you know finding out I drew the tag. I had things lined out with Jake. So pretty cool. And then leading up to the hunt, you know, the week before you're gearing up, getting ready to go, you've talked to Jake, you know, there's going to be people in camp and all that. What's kind of going through your head? Man, we just, ex yeah, just full of excitement. Like, I can't say, um, like, I can be, like, a stress case sometimes about certain things, I guess. Uh, I, w I really wasn't with this hunt. Like, I was just, I knew, I knew we had, a, you know, I, I knew we had a great crew. Um, well, I mean, just in talking to Jake, I hadn't met the rest of the crew yet, but I knew um, I had had a strong belief. I had the right guide hired for the effort, and... Um, I was just super excited to just go and experience it. I couldn't wait to get down there. And uh, so we went down what opens on Saturday. I think we drove down Tuesday. Yeah, didn't you guys get down on Tuesday, like, super early in the week? We got down there Tuesday late, and then, yeah, like, while we were in camp. We just missed you guys, like, you guys or something. You guys were had set up camp or something, and we kind of came in rolling in at 7 in the morning or something. So, yeah, pretty, pretty pumped up for it. So. And then, Mark, you guys flew down for that hunt as well. Yeah, we were, um, you know, sent down to document, document the trip through Kika and Jake and, and that whole crew. And, you know, so Jimmy and I, where'd we fly into Vegas, I think. Flew into Vegas and met up with Jake. I think that's what we did. So we did. Yeah, he came and picked us up. Yeah, and then ran out to the desert. And I mean, it was like quite a bit different than Montana. <laughs> you know, we got out there and it was like, whoa. Was that your first desert? No, I've spent, You've been on a desert hunt before. Yeah, right? I've been on a few desert hunts. Um, but first in California. Yeah. I thought it was pretty sweet. You know, we were into, into really good Rams and yeah, it was fun. Good crew. Right, what an epic hunt, man. That was so much fun, especially on opening day when we all light across the desert floor going to try and find the ram that Jake had been looking at. They're caught riding a, in on horseback, we're yeah. walking in. Yeah, we just barely caught a glimpse of that ram the night before. Like, we'd been out in that area all day and then it uh it just crossed through this bottom and like jake knew that it was a big ram but like we didn't have a good like it didn't stop like it just passed through and so we didn't have a good chance to really size it up so we went went back to check it out and uh the weather forecast changed on us a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and it was supposed to be clear and then no it, one had rain gear and no one had rain gear and a dark cloud came straight towards us so we found a cave though well jake found a cave yeah spotted a cave like half a mile away yeah quarter mile away like a sizable cave <clears throat> that fit us inside and slightly inhospitable at times as a uh, Andy recalls. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> rattles. <laughs> sitting on a rattlesnake. Little baby rattlesnake that I was trying to take a nap on top of. Uh, didn't even have, a, didn't even ha just had like a button. Didn't even, couldn't even make noise to alert us at its presence. It just started trying to bite Andy. When I was trying to get my spotter out of my backpack. <laughs> just After being on it for 45 minutes while the rain passed. Warmed them up just enough. December so, December seventh to see a rattlesnake. Yeah, I think it was the seventh, seventh or eighth. Yeah, whatever opening day was. Yeah, to see to see a rattlesnake. It's, I've never seen one at that time of year like that. It's pretty docile. After it. <laughs> after it's realized flurry of strikes. After it was done being warmed up by me laying on top of it. 
So fast forward to the next day. I mean, we had spent that whole day. We finally saw the ram. Ended up making a decision. This isn't the ram that we want to chase. Right. So we went, yeah, so in that, yeah, in that effort, like we had uh, Steph with us, um, Steph Lowe. And so she she had seen, her and Billy had seen a, a nice ram the day prior in a different area. And so, um, and she had now seen like both big rams. And so, um, that was super useful for her to say, you know, I think we want to go to that one that's, you know, in that other area. So that's, that was the game plan to get in there and try and track it down. And she found it within like, were you there? She found it like yeah. within 30 seconds, 30 seconds of sitting down with her glass. I think she spotted it and there was two good rams in there and I think Jake actually saw the second ram first, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's a really good ram. And then she's like, no, that's not even the one. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then the other ram stepped out, and he he said if uh, – I remember he said, if you don't shoot that ram, I'm leaving. So <laughs> I figured I better gear up. Yeah. And uh, when we had the other guys were around the other side of the hill, so we got a hold of them and – Waited for them to come on. Waited down. for them because I wanted to make sure my had my brother and and uh, Billy and my cousin Jason there for for the event there. So they came around and we kept watching the ram. He's what about, I don't know about a thousand yards away when we had spotted him, and then he just kind of cruised through this more mellow area and then found it. <laughs> and then so you. Jake, Mark, and Jimmy. Yep. All went on on the stock. Yeah. Yeah, we had to circle around cause, uh, to get the wind right. And there was what? I think there were eight sheep in that in that group. I think there was a few. There was two uh, two good rams and then a couple smaller rams and some ewes. And, uh, and so we circled around to try and get the wind right. And... Uh, started making our move in and they just kind of kept working away from us just kind of the, the direction they were already heading and so we got to the top of one hill and peeked over and they were out there a ways and just kind of still moving so it didn't feel like a good time for a shot so they we let them clear out of sight and then we were gonna booger across this opening real fast and so once they, we thought they were all out, we start taking off, and then about halfway across the opening, Jake drops us down real fast in the middle, and there was a ram probably, I don't know, was it like 80 yards above us, yeah. something like that? And uh, so we had to, we just kind of hunkered down there, and that ram took forever to get out of, to get out of view for us. Mm-hmm. He just like walked look around like posted up on the rock doing ram stuff and not doing what we wanted but he finally finally cleared and we uh ran up to that to this rock outcropping we thought they were going to be right below us i think it was i think mark actually spotted them on the way up that they were cruising up this like pretty nasty little cut on the other side (laughs) they went from like a super mellow spot to like a pretty sheepy spot in a hurry for sure and uh and so we got they weren't getting any closer so we like got set up on the rock as quick as i could with the gun and um jake's was was working the spotter making sure because there was two two good rams but one was definitely bigger right so he wanted to make sure i was on the right one you know just a little bit excited at that point so he was calling that out and then mark was calling out um yardage for me because they just kept walking up and so uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty slick little uh, setup i had a couple of pretty experienced hunters to kind of <laughs> keep me uh, keep me on task through the through the moment there so that was nice so mark and jimmy what was that stock like for you guys 
Well, we definitely waited too long, you know, in the beginning, waiting on, waiting on Mike's buddies. So it put us at a little bit of disadvantage, you know. If we if we had gone after him right away, we would have come around that first face. They'd have been right there. They'd have been right in front of us. Um, so it was a little bit, little bit more challenging. And like when we're like chasing behind a, you know, a stock, it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place to be. And those guys made some good decisions. That one ram pinned us down for a little bit. I think Jimmy got a great photo of that one. And then got great photos of the other rams going across the, going across the face. And for me, it's like when I get in that situation, a lot of times I forget to even take photographs, you know, because I can be better help on the rangefinder or, you know, helping set up the gun or any of those kind of things. So that was, it's pretty fun. I think we were talking about it the other night. It's like, you know, I haven't killed a desert sheep, but I've been right there when some people have. It's pretty yeah. cool. What about for you, Jimmy? Oh, I mean, it's it's always just such an awesome opportunity to get to go on any stock, and especially after learning everything about the California Desert Sheep Program and getting to know Mike and just how special of a hunt it is. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel super honored to just be along and get to experience that with him. I mean, I, I got emotional for him after he <laughs> shot that thing. <laughs> I was so composed. I don't know why. <laughs> so you guys all get you get set up for the shot. Mark's calling out yardage. You're getting ready to squeeze the trigger. You squeeze the trigger. The ram drops. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be fully honest, I clicked on an empty chamber first. So oh. I got that. <laughs> so I got that out of the system. That's the first I heard about that part. Oh, you didn't hear that story? No. No, Jake says, don't jerk next time. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I, so I rack, I, that's, that's what should happen. So uh, I'm not too proud. So then I rack one in and then it's, uh, yeah, and, you know, it was a far shot. So, and but I, it was a shot that I had practiced. So I knew like it was right at, the limit of what I had said, like, you know, and I'd talk to Jake, like, this is, this is as far as I'm willing to shoot. I'd prefer to shoot like close if possible. Cause I'm not like, I'm not like trying to shoot things at a long distance mm -hmm. if I don't have to, but, um, it was right at that limit of it. But, and he was telling me like, Hey, if you're not comfortable, but I felt, I felt like it was the time to do it. So just kind of got into hunt mode there. There wasn't any going back. So, <laughs> Um, so then, yeah, then the second one, it went boom. And, uh, yeah, Jake, uh, Jake said, you got him. He just disappeared off a rocky ledge there and mm -hmm. was out of there. So, and then it's hooting and hollering man, across the valley. Yeah. Yep. Some of that. And it's like, yeah, I was like, I was pretty calm until then. I feel like, I don't know, these guys were with me. Like, I felt like I was pretty calm to that point. Is he being honest or is he and, selling wolf tickets? And, there uh, were some pretty pretty awesome photos taken right there during that moment. Afterwards, but, yeah. Yeah, just like, a, like the excitement, like Jake's excitement, Mike's excitement, the emotional yeah. part of it. Because then they started the hooting and hollering, and Mike just kind of sat back and soaked it all in. That was pretty cool. Like Jimmy yeah. was saying, it was an honor to be a part of it. Yeah. It was a neat that was hike a neat, up to the what ramp. a beautiful place. Yeah. That hike up to the ram was just insane. Yeah. And not only that, but like Jimmy runs around the mountain with a camera <laughs> like a sheep. Like, Teetering on the edge of a cliff to get a picture. <laughs> you know, it was, it's gotta be done by someone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Everybody's a photographer these days. Everybody. <laughs> including hey, school teachers. We got elk coming out now. Are they coming out of that band of trees? Yeah, just above it. There's like, actually in a different spot. On that face though? Further to the right. It's lower than they were before remember they were all stacked up in that little corner park right go below that it's like the one green timber band that stretches across covers the whole bottom 
real low, like the height of this tree in front of you guys. Oh, okay. Uh, and you're to the, the you're to the right. I'm too far right. Yeah. You want to go right, Mike? Oh. Well, be nice to see a real live animal right now, but it's been a few hours, huh? Been a bit. Yeah, I know. If, I don't know. For me, yeah. Once I once the ram went down, like I had like a flood of emotion in. Like some right then, like I was just pretty jacked, and then go down and meet up with the rest of the crew when they came up. That was pretty awesome. Like high fives and hugs. Missed kind of like the missed high fives, and then some hugs and that whole thing. And then uh, yeah, and then all of us tromp up to the to the spot where he he went down and. He was, uh, yeah, died died underneath a yucca. Fell off like a ledge up in there and died kind of in a hole. But it was such an awesome rocky spot in there where he was down and ended up being like we knew he was good. But I remember Jake grabbing him and found the red guy at the white dot. Where is he? Um. <laughs> Mouth of Canyon 2. Low. Low, just coming out. He's in the sage right in the mouth of it. He's by himself. Yep. Just like, where's Waldo? <laughs> Standing in the middle. Where's his buddy go? He's waiting on him. That's a big loop they made. Yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah. And the elk are like, they just <laughs> looped around like 80 cow elk. Oh, jeez. Well, so far they've only oh, yeah, messed up like the second biggest buck. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Right? Just totally bombing through. You know, we'll see if they take a hard turn to the <laughs> south here and start heading that way, we might have to sprint. It's <laughs> Stop them. Yeah. Could get real. Uh, his buddy's right there with him. Just I mean, all they got to do is look to the look to the north, and they'll see those elk coming out of the trees, right? You'd think. Yeah, that might be hidden. They're pretty low there. I, I doubt they can see that. They're having a day of it. That's for sure. The other guy's it's, looking up there. I mean, it's so much easier when you're sitting back here <laughs> watching it, though. <laughs> no, go that way. Yeah. You're walking away from where we need you to be walking. The intended target. I mean, those those boys have been in direct sunlight. Oh, they're on the trail. No, that's a different... That's the trail there? It's got to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They gonna, they might come right to us. They might. What do you think that shirt says? <laughs> Converse. Oh, uh, you might be right. Yeah. Just looks like a Converse logo. It's like maroon though. It's definitely stands out. Bright red, maroon. It's a pretty impressive little hike for them. Mm hmm Considering we saw them at, what, 6.50 this morning or earlier? Yeah. Yeah, they, they I mean, it's 5 o'clock. It's a 12-hour day. Yeah. It's a, uh... And they just did the one... It's a teachable moment for us right there. Yeah. So we all get up to the ram. The ram's down. Yeah. So, yeah, we get up there, and uh, Jake and I go down. We have to drag it out from under this, this uh, yucca, so we get it drug out where we can actually get, get a good look at them and... Um, I remember we knew it was good, obviously, you know, when we shot him and he, 
I remember he leaned in and grabbed the bass and looked at me, kind of tipped his hat back and said, oh, he's bigger than we thought. <laughs> and uh, I said, really? Which is always, you like to hear that, right? So um, I was already excited anyways, right? But uh, yeah, it, it just, I guess, you know, he knows when he grabs those bases, you know, it just ended up having more mass than what we had given it credit for. And uh, yeah, it ended up being a really big ram. And, uh, yeah, then I just kind of, like, I already knew it was, like, super special. I don't know, yeah, I just kind of had a pretty good wave of emotion up there, too, just, like, how special that moment was to be able to get, you know, to be able to be on that hunt, have all the crew that we had there. We just had such a great group of people, and then uh, being able to, you know, take a special animal like that, it was just kind of, yeah overwhelmed me for a minute there I would say but uh, all in a good way but pretty cool so the next 24 hours that commences <laughs> uh, <laughs> after that yeah, just... was kind of insanity <laughs> we uh, we got back to camp yep hung out by like mid lunchtime right like mm -hmm. I think we were there by midday and uh, Jeff rolled in mm -hmm. while we were, like, right when we got back, he had rolled in the camp. And, uh, yeah, we uh, we celebrated. The, Until uh, about midnight. And that was everything from yeah losing horses to turtle fences, gummy worms. It was, yeah. We um, cooked up that leg. Yeah, that was, that should be, t yeah, the flip-flop was, was awesome. Yeah, that was way good. It's the first time experience for me. With the ram leg? Yeah, with with any yeah. ram, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that was, it just seemed like a super good way to, like, finish, you know, that, that part of the story, you know, to be able to kill that ram, and then just, like, we're sitting in camp, looking at those mountains and had a had a good crew of people there and just Andy had this uh he was super intense about getting his rosemary bushel so we did acquire that from my cousin yeah and, didn't uh, he bring it down he brought it down he probably totally and, like, uh, I forgot about and, that uh, so I didn't know what we were and getting. he brought like a, a duster brush yeah like you could clean a, a, a porch sure. with it sure and uh so we like Andy was just telling us he had this way to cook meat over the fire and you're gonna eat immediately. So it, that all sounded pretty good at that point. And then, uh, um, yeah. So I mean, that was yeah. It was that was an easy decision to do that and do that deal. So it was phenomenal. And like a bunch that. of your family drove down after. Yeah, they came the next day. Well, I mean, we stayed up late that night. We did the yep. flip flop. Yeah. Stayed up late that night and then. Drove out for the next hunt. Jake, you got word, right? Like, they were on that other ram. Flare was yeah. found. Yeah, and they, had, they like, knew where he was. And it was like, they're going to be on him in the morning type yeah. of deal. So it was like, you guys want to roll to another hunt? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what was your gut reaction to, let's go kill another ram, Mark? I was pretty stoked. That was awesome. <laughs> we, can, we can get on two giant desert sheep rams two, two hunts 170 and, plusers in 24 hours yeah but yeah sign us out yeah jimmy what was that like for you i mean i thought i was just gonna be in this for one desert sheep and then we get two in 24 hours i think we, we left camp at what like three in the morning three a.m yeah. for <laughs> a two hour three hour drive oh man Slept for a couple hours, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Slept in the car. People got lost. Right. <laughs> Once we located everyone and made it down there. Was that the tortoise fence? That was the tortoise, the tortoise fence, fence that got lost. That night was the tortoise fence. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh... Sorry, it's I a sneaky. It was a good. <laughs> it was a good night. Oh, that was.
You should have had some open mics on that night. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, we got down and got on the next hunt. Ram was acquired first thing in the morning, and stock was made. I mean, I don't even know. How, I don't remember how many sets of eyes we had on that thing throughout the day. <laughs> 19. <laughs> we yeah, had 19 sets of eyes on that Yeah, room. we had a pile of But it was just because we can, we can join two camps right. together. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, Doug didn't know it was, he's like, who the heck are all these guys? Yeah. yeah. Doug had to have just been like, whoa, wait a minute. Pretty, pretty fortunate for Doug though, right? Like all of a sudden he's got a couple of like pro photographers that are there like snapping shots for him after oh, yeah. he, after it was all said and done. Tough to get a smile out of Doug though. I remember. He Mark smiled. Was, Mark was working him. <laughs> he smiled. <laughs> Mark, how many times have you had a, a difficult person that doesn't smile much? When that's next to a sheep. Yeah. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was an interesting guy. That ram was gorgeous, though, too, man. Mm -hmm. That's the one you guys had some history with. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the governor tag ram that we went after and ended up going after Rocky instead and still got to put him down by the end of the season can't beat that right oh that was great and then did you guys take off for Vegas that night yeah yeah we left Doug's Ram like you guys were still like wrapping things up right mm -hmm. ah we met back at the camp rig, at the rigs and then yeah we met back at camp and our buddies rolled into camp right and uh, tried a little sheep meat, and then we boogered off to Vegas for the night. More celebrations. Yeah, we had, uh, how many guys came down? Four guys came cruising down to help help us celebrate mm -hmm. my ram, and, and uh, went and did a proper celebration. In Las Vegas? Yeah. Before Corona. Pre-corona, when yeah, before they canceled fun, and uh, it was during the national finals rodeo, right? So there was uh, a few cowboy hats around town, but yeah, it was a good time. I'm waiting for them to blow those deer out that they—they're right in where those deer were earlier today. They're walking right through it, aren't they? Pretty close. Yeah, those deer walked right, like right the bush they, above them. Yeah, and crossed underneath them. On that line, uh, I think they're coming. Is that the trail that comes to us? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the right hand split, right? And they probably yeah. took the left. They took this the left morning. up. Well, no, because they started over there. They might truck. have just been below this rise where we couldn't see them. I Unless they started up before we were even up and out of bed. I bet they did. No, that's the white truck that we saw that truck come come by, didn't we? I don't know. I thought we did. I don't know. Could be wrong. Friendships were formed. Bonds were made. Yeah. Two monster rams were killed. Fast forward to a year later. Here we are in eastern Nevada. Mark, what's going on? Well, we're just in Nevada. <laughs> Not really any one geographic location. Oh, okay. We're just in Nevada. I'll make sure that that gets doctored. Yeah, we're sitting under a shade tarp. Lots of binos. Staring at a beautiful mountain. I've been sitting in the desert for a week and tomorrow is opening day of 2020 Nevada archery mule deer season and we got some good bucks located up on this mountain we just have to relocate them a couple of stompers got some good deer <clears throat> so we're gonna see if we can't locate them and they haven't been super cooperative today Let's see what we can't do tomorrow huh put on a show for us last night well, still, what time is it? It's still 
517, man. It's not even the time yet. Yeah, we got another three and a half hours of yeah. glassing sitting here. We probably glassed from this exact location going on. Three days. 50 hours? Oh, yeah. I would say. But there's some really good deer here, so we're going to... There is. The, the population is... I don't want to say it's low, but it's like few and far between maybe it sounds like it's been that way across the whole unit yeah you know they haven't i mean usually when you see you know we've seen bigger groups of bucks you know that guy the other non-resident you know saw a big group of bucks mm -hmm. i think that's kind of the name of the game right now because it's so early yeah oh i found a whole bunch of elk yep. they're in the yellow patch at the base of the slide uh the red slide so that just left of where i was telling you guys they were earlier mm -hmm. yep i couldn't see them earlier at a bush in my way is the bush like you on your side you can just see the red part all like yeah all i can see is that yellow patch down at the bottom cool below those uh Oh, okay. I see where time. So oh, that's yeah. where that whole group of however many, 80? Yeah, I yeah. see like eight of them right now. They're, if you keep panning to the left in that tree line, they're all the way across. Yeah. These guys are going to get all the way to us, and we're going to turn them back and say, look, you need to go back and kill that. There well, we have to ask what they were doing. Uh, the big three? Right? Yeah. They're, the elk are all the way into that, those two patches. They're way left, too. I see some way left. Yeah. Um, there's two that just popped out way left of the ones that were straight out. Just moving right along. Yeah, they're headed across pretty good. So, Mark, you got out here early, a week early. And started putting in miles in that Can-Am. And searching the country. How's that been? It's been pretty nice. You know, with the, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of the shutdown and everything that's been happening. I haven't had, like, an adventure or a lot of solo time for, geez, what is it, going on six months? Yeah. Um, so we're, it's nice to be, it's nice to get out here. And I, I could have used two weeks. You know, really, it's a big unit, and I'd never been here before. And, you know, I've spent basically the last week, like, trying to get to, you know, get to know these roads and find deer and put a lot of miles on the Can-Am in my truck and a lot of dirt in my eyeballs. Right. <laughs> and what was your... Like, how were the first few days by yourself? Peaceful. <laughs> Tell my ass stormed <laughs> into camp. So bad Andy showed up. <laughs> Man, I wonder if that'll keep that buck lower. If Push those elk up. are going high. They're going. Yeah, they're they're all the way across into that. Yeah, to that other... Like below, they're coming in below that aspen patch. Yeah. You see them? Yep. Into there. Yeah, I mean, it could, if he's potentially in that thicker patch of stuff, he could be pushing them out in a pile of those elk. You guys see, uh, the boys? Oh yeah, there they are. Looks like they're getting off the trail. Yeah. They can see their truck now, so they're just gonna bonsai across probably. I bet that guy's forearms are nuked. From <laughs> all the <laughs> nuked from here. See them? They're almost <laughs> the same color as the guy's shirt. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh man. You gotta remember that for tomorrow. God, how rough was that this morning? They were like 80 or 100 yards from those cows. 
you gotta assume they're <coughs> they're elk hunters. Oh, they're glassing. They're starting to figure this. They probably can see them from there. And they're in the same meadow they walked through this morning. Yeah, that guy's looking that way, isn't he? The hunter yeah. is. The other guy's like, dude, I'm going to the truck. He's <laughs> like, I need ice water. Yeah. You're on your own. He's not even waiting. I mean, I was pretty surprised. You know, we we took that whole tour day around the unit and kind of got to know it pretty well. And I was... We went back up one, like, sliver spot, you know, yeah. and, like, looked over one one-thousandth of, of the this thing, unit. you know, and it took us all day. Yeah. In a beautiful, like, beautiful country. There's deer and elk everywhere. There's not bucks everywhere. Those three bulls we got on at, what, 150 or 200 yards? Yeah, those were pretty. Biggest bulls I've ever seen in person. Really? For sure. Outside of Yellowstone Park. Right. Man, I guarantee some of the ones that we like couldn't get close enough to to put real good eyes on were bigger. Here? Yeah. yeah. The one over on that one place? Yeah. Someday, Nevada elk, it's on the list. Just, uh... So here we all in camp. Here we are all in camp. Ugh. How's everybody feeling? I'm going to be feeling a lot better when we relocate this deer. <laughs> yeah. So we've seen We're coming up on like 20 hours without seeing him. Well, so yeah. we've se we've seen three good bucks that are possible candidates right in front of us. One's number two, and number two and number one were very hard to for you to distinguish between. Both both bucks are if you get a chance, you, you go for them. it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if number one or number two. So, but depending on where number one is, you know, that's going to decide which way we head. We just have to go up in a spot where hopefully we don't get winded by number two. Mm -hmm. But they seem to be relatively used to people. This is the day, second day in a row, right, where we've had people hiking up here. Yeah. Yeah. Elk hunters. Yeah. These guys are coming out a little bit later. They're walking straight down the trail. They're not off of it. There was that one guy went up late last night, though, too. Yeah, and the guys yesterday morning, so, yeah. So we've had five people. And the deer haven't gotten scared yet. So based off of what we see tonight, that'll be your deciding factor for our game plan for tomorrow morning. Yeah, we have to find the deer, you know, and we're not gonna go we're not gonna go running up there if we don't see them. So if if we find them tonight, we get a good idea of which direction they're going in and where they came from. There's probably the way it's been going. We got like 60, 40 chance they go back into the same cut that they were in the day before. So if we spot them. Then we have a destination where we can head towards in the morning and hope that they're below us somewhere. If we don't see them tonight, then, you know, we're probably glassing in the morning. Realistically, I think that's the smartest play with having, you know, nine days to hunt. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll end it there and maybe hit round two later in the week. How do you guys feel about that? There's a lot of pressure, like, trying to podcast Andy while we're glassing for deer. I know. I just want to increase the pressure load on you as much as humanly possible. You know, I really wish, like, we had the photo. So we had to take a photo. 
send it directly to the Making Hunting Great Again guy from ourselves and be like, please post this. We are actual Western hunters. <laughs> and we made it we made it official by doing a podcast while we we're glassing. Right. Man. That is. <laughs> White Dot is not giving his buddy any, any leeway. His buddy keeps stopping the glass and he's just like, I'm out of here. He's over it. We got to put something on figuring out what the shirt is. I'm thinking it's one of those, like, thing one, thing two shirts. Oh, that's a solid yes, too. Yeah. Like the things that. No, like Dr. Seuss. I think it's Converse. I was thinking it was, like, Clemson Tigers or something, but it's not the right color red. Might just be a target. Target t-shirt. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, at the flip-flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.